Welcome everyone, this is All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 255, recording this on the 11th of July 2018. Rafe Blandford, I have to say this is supposed to be a weekly podcast, but we've somehow managed to make it a month. Partly both our faults, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think we said more recently we'd try and do one uh, fortnightly and then have the occasional guest as well, but we have managed to slip. Uh, life has been a little bit busy. I guess we could give the excuse that it's the summer season and we're on holiday, but that's not really true either. Uh, but hopefully all our listeners will bear with us. And we do have quite a few things to talk through as a result of having had a little bit of a gap. Yeah, absolutely. And just to say that, I mean, you've been busy at work. You've also had a bit of a break. I, my dad's been in the hospital with pneumonia, as many people will know on Twitter. And I, I did post on the site as well, one of the uh, comments. So there have been practical reasons why we haven't been here. But as Rafe says, we've got quite a bit to chat through. We'll try and make this rapid fire, just me firing off things about the site and about the ecosystem and then Rafe just kind of saying why his words in response and um, very first <laughs> straight off the bat <laughs> Rafe. Tall order, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> straight off the bat just a, we, are, we were sorry for a day of downtime a couple of weeks ago but since then Rafe the site's been rock solid so one annoyingly the server was falling over in the middle of the night and I couldn't quite work out why it went into various uh, log files and without sort of boring everyone with the details it then went down for a bit longer and I still couldn't uh work out quite what was wrong but then I did manage to do a bit of uh, diagnosis and work out why it wasn't not only was it falling over why it wasn't sort of fixing itself because as as with these things usually you kind of have a certain amount of self-repair or rather have the server restart on it and that particular problem and so things will be uh, stable going forward i'm not sure how many people will have noticed because some of this was happening in the middle of the night and steve was always very efficient about letting me know when it needed to go back up again but there was one period of kind of extended downtime for about 24 or 36 hours but since then uh, we've had it uh, coming back again so uh, thank you for all your patience on that it's much appreciated now windows 10 mobile monthly updates for all i know we cover this every month rafe and this is as this has become a monthly podcast i guess we did it last time as well but July 2018 patches available for anniversary update, creators update, full creators update. I reckon anniversary update for smartphones, of which there aren't that many now um, in terms of upgrades. They've only got a couple of months left, but you're still looking at about a year or so for the other Windows 10 mobile phones. So I think it's kind of winding down in a controlled fashion so that by the time the last security patch hits the last Windows 10 mobile phone, we will have all moved on to something, whether it's Android or Andromeda or whatever. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, uh, there's honestly been longer than su expected support. Um, and partly that's been helped by, you know, a few kind of late era phones. I mean, the Idol 4 Pro in particular kind of springs to mind. And I guess the Wiley Fox Pro, although I suspect that may sort of be in name only just because of the, the numbers of that particular device. But yes, you're right. And it, it is noticeable that kind of the... Um, if I call them the mobile specific parts of the updates are obviously falling away. Uh, it is really just about security now. Um, nonetheless, as you pointed out before, the kind of core internals are also being updated. Um, whether that has an impact on performance, I, th I think it's probably difficult to say, but certainly um, it's good to see that happening. And also we are seeing some updates to the applications continue. And again, you know, that yeah. that's a good thing. Maybe not uh, major feature additions, but I don't think anyone could realistically expected that. And so, you know, this is 
the death watch which we've talked about on windows 10 mobile before i mean clearly the platform is going x parrot light but it's quite nice (laughs) to know that it's been given a a decent send-off in terms of support because it's exactly what you'd want because not everyone wants to suddenly go oh i threw my phone away because you know it's no longer being supported or whatever it does feel like it's a pretty reasonable thing for microsoft to say yeah after a couple of years of the end of major device sales then that's when we're we're really going to stop things um and that means anyone who has bought a device i don't think they can really feel shortchanged. i mean i think anyone buying in that period would probably have a good idea that the writing was on the wall in some ways but there was perfectly legitimate reasons and actually there's still people i meet regularly who enjoy using those devices um i will say it's not a mainstream device for me uh, anymore i still like to get out my uh, 950 in particular and indeed some of the older devices and sort of lovingly uh, say hello to them and you know remember fond fond times with them i know steve you're still using it a bit more regularly i look at the site and you recommend an app and so that goes on to like 950 sometimes but all in all it's it, it's very impressive i mean it does give us an opportunity to talk about lots of other things in mobile um although you know it doesn't stop me shedding a little bit of a tear um, especially when you know these days when you hear uh, kind of the techies refer to Windows 10 Mobile or Windows Phone. Unfortunately, it's usually the butt of a joke, but uh, I think that's probably inevitable with uh, the platform in the state it's in. Nonetheless, yeah, as, as you said many times, Steve, it's uh, a credit to Microsoft, and these updates are continuing to come month on month on month. Absolutely, and yes, as you say, no one can really complain. The Lumi 950, by the time it finishes getting its last security update, it will be... Uh, Four, almost four years old, if I've done my maths right. The, the Lumia 830, in theory, finishing on the creator's update. That'll be something like three and a half, four years old as well. Um, the, plenty of people, a surprising number in our comments, are actually running the Lumia 920 on Windows 10 Mobile through the one of our various hacks we've um, documented on the site, which means that the Lumia 920 is getting five years of, of, of <laughs> semi, semi-official support, which is staggering, really. Yeah, it's impressive, and I, I admire the uh, kind of dedication to keep using the phone, because if nothing else, things like the battery life start to become a problem on those sealed units, although I know some people have experimented with uh, replacing them. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's also a sad thing in a way, because we're kind of going, oh, it's great that the phones are, are lasting five years. You know, for a lot of consumer electronics, I mean, I think things like TVs or white goods, for example, there is an expectation that last 10 years. I mean, we've almost become inured to this, sense that yes people do upgrade their smartphone every couple of years and it's probably worth saying that the average is definitely increasing it's sort of heading towards the kind of 30 months even 36 months in some markets and um, so it's not unusual for people to keep their phone that long time and that's the average and i'm sure we all know people who regularly up- upgrade almost a yearly cycle yeah. which means there are a lot of people out there who are on more like a four or five year cycle and so actually this level of support is is a good thing now the reality is for a lot of those people i'm not sure they'll necessarily be receiving all the updates they may not have configured their phone in that way or they may not be quite so attuned to the goings-on of the smartphone world and just as you see lots of old iphones and old android devices kind of running earlier versions of software i'm sure the same would be true for windows phone and windows 10 mobile but the the point remains that Actually, it's good to see these updates, and actually the trend is for people to keep their phones for a longer amount of time. I think that's also a reflection of you know the fact they've become commoditized. You talk to a lot of people, even who've bought a high-end Samsung phone or an iPhone that you know they're and, and classify themselves as kind of you know techies or interested in having the the most recent 
uh, smartphone and they'll tell you that actually you know be it the iphone 7 or the s7 does everything they need it to do and there's not enough of a incentive to upgrade particularly when for the very high-end devices the prices are uh, significantly increased compared to maybe three or four years ago yeah absolutely and as you mentioned there the sealed phones of course just a reminder i'm sure the listeners will know this but the lumia 950 range has a replaceable battery that lumia absolutely. 830 has a replaceable battery and indeed the Wiley Fox Pro has a replaceable battery, so the Windows world seems to kind of buck the trend in that regard. Um, I know you, the, some of the replacement batteries can be of dubious quality, so it is a bit hit and miss, <laughs> but at least there's, a, there's the option, and you can buy genuine replacements if you shop around. Just on the subject that Wiley Fox Pro, Rafe, I did notice on the site, and I posted that the, the, it's at half price, under £100 now, 99.95, which I think I know it's a lower spec device, but given that it's fully supported to the end of next year, and has it's pretty solid build and very nice in the hand. I think if someone, a Windows 10 mobile fan, wants to just buy themselves a little treat or a backup device, something to play with, something to uh, I don't know to 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 caress in their hand and enjoy the OS for a bit longer, then 99 pounds doesn't seem too bad. I, I think this is pretty good value. I mean, I'd also say the other use case here is there are people I've spoken to who want to keep on using Windows 10 mobile. But for whatever reason, the device has got damaged or it could be a battery thing or, or something else. Um, and, you know, I know it's uh, heretical to say this, but phones do break and things go wrong with them. And there are basically are no other options that you can buy. I mean, there is a secondhand market and some of the Alcatel devices are still findable in some places. Um, but if you wanted something and you're kind of yeah. you know not bothered about high, having the highest end device, this would be, you know, perfectly good. And I think a lot of the people who are reluctant to switch off uh windows 10 mobile and i can think of a couple in my own kind of uh, circle of acquaintances who are you know they're not interested in having the latest smartphone they just want something that works and uh you know, said to me I, I really don't want to switch the platform away um, and that's the thing that kind of for them is the differentiator or the thing that makes it easy to use for them and i'm perfectly sympathetic to to that point of view and actually the wiley fox pro particularly at 99 pounds seems like a reasonable option for people like that i think at 200 pounds it was asking a little bit much <laughs> yeah um and you know but it's just lowering i guess the kind of well you can get this rather than having to switch and for some people that will be that that will be sufficient i have to admit in general i would advise people to kind of move away to another platform just because of the general trajectory of things and i think you can get an awful lot of value out of even a kind of a mid-tier android device or if you kind of look at the, some of the lower cost iPhones, it's possible to get into the iOS ecosystem as well. That's just being realistic. But of course, you know, it's up to up to the individuals. That, and actually, Wiley Fox at least gives them a choice in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, staying with hardware, the Surface Go has been announced. And this Surface Go is not the fabled folding Surface phone, Surface mobile, whatever. This is the latest, smallest hybrid. Now, Rafe, you've been a huge fan of the surface pro devices for about four years now ever since launch i've still got the original surface pro and i do still use mine um, as an alternative to my macbook so i'm a big fan as well and this is a slightly smaller version a lot cheaper aimed at education and the home and i guess enterprise but i'm thinking mainly sort of uh, the, the first two uh, any impressions after seeing the first videos and photos of this new surface go at about 360 pounds yeah, I was pretty impressed by this. I mean, it's a really interesting device because on the one hand, you know, you talk about tablets and this when we're talking about the 10 inches, that's really what we mean. And it's hard to get away from recommending an iPad, especially when you think, you know, the base price for that is, uh, I think it's around £300 or something like that, yeah. where the Go is going to be probably a little bit more expensive. 
And the Go does get quite expensive once you start adding on accessories like the pen and the keyboard, which I would argue you kind of need to get the most out of yeah. uh, a Surface because I don't actually see the Go as a tablet or a yeah. direct competitor to the iPad. I see it as a, a cheap Windows computer. Yeah. And in that sense, I think, I mean, quite, quite frankly, very good value for money. And you are getting kind of the quality of the Surface hardware. I mean, the budget is obvious in a few places when, you know, like the big bezels around the screen, it's pretty low on processor power. It's got the slower eMMC memory in it. Uh, and there's a couple of other things about it that just make you go, hmm. And I, I do wonder whether it sort of tarnishes the kind of Surface brand, which is kind of renowned for being premium and, and fairly high end. That said, I think the people who buy the Surface Go are kind of not going to be really pushing the device in loads of, directions and asking it to do lots of heavy computing it is going to be for most people kind of a secondary device in the home and potentially in their own collection of devices as well and you know you mentioned education there um that makes sense to me i think as a second computer in the home perhaps to get some homework done or living in the kitchen to do a bit of research show off recipes it it does get quite interesting Uh, for me personally i think it's quite hard sell against the ipad as the kind of secondary computing device in the home i mean i'm still very traditional in that i would want a laptop or a a desktop i wouldn't want to live fully in the kind of tablet world but that said if you were thinking about going that direction the go is kind of an interesting one as you know the sole device and especially in that 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 budget uh end of things um i haven't seen one in person but i have spoken to a couple of people who have have seen it and they were they were pretty impressed in going yeah the quality the, the hardware is nice it's kind of kept some of those uh, surface attributes but for me this is most interesting when you think about it as microsoft's continuing to expand the reach of its kind of transformer or hybrid devices you know the surface although it was kind of positioned as a tablet in some ways really is one of these transformer pcs that you can use in tablet mode or you can use with a keyboard it's got a hinge on the back which you can put in any position so it kind of works well in i guess you could call it tent mode and actually it's opened up a whole segment of kind of laptop stroke tablet devices that fit into that transformer segment but honestly microsoft has still done one of the best jobs here and it now has something you know from the you know 350 pound mark right up to the several thousand pounds when you start talking about the surface laptop and things like that and i think it's good for microsoft to have that range because it just gives it a bigger addressable market um would i use one of these myself probably not because i mean as steve alluded to i do have a surface device and i would probably opt to carry that um and i'm fortunate enough to have an ipad as well so i don't really need something in that that 10 inch space but yeah it's it, it's impressive it's sort of one of these ones that's been like rumored and, and leaked for absolutely ages i think the other interesting device to compare it with is kind of the the chromebook um and you know obviously the chromebook prices have um you know dropped and it's not unusual to see something around the same price point as the surface go um, but of course, the Chromebook doesn't really have the advantage of the big iPad app kind of uh, catalog. In the, and, and that's really what kind of counts against it. I mean, it also counts against the Surface Go, incidentally. But if you're going to buy a computing type device, actually the Microsoft one, and of course it does come, or well, there's options to get Office with it. And that's still a very compelling thing because for kind of productivity, whether that's Office or work in school, you know, it, it's hard to actually beat Office um, you know, people will say, absolutely, there's open source alternatives out there. I accept that. But Office is kind of the standard in the working world, just generally. It's kind of de facto. Whatever you think about that, 
having that on a bunch of um, and uh, education devices, I think, is a, a good thing. And it is, you know, they are a very powerful set of tools for creating content, you know, doing presentations, doing work with spreadsheets and everything else. And of course, then the much broader catalogue of Windows uh, software as well, um, which, you know, for all the emphasis and we talk about mobile and we're big mobile fans, you know, there is still an acknowledgement that a lot of the very heavy work still gets done on PCs. And obviously, Apple has pushed the message that the iPad is a computer and can do anything. And for a lot of the tasks, that's true, but it certainly can't replace everything about PC. So, yeah, Surface Go, really interesting. I mean, what's your take on it, Steve? I was really tempted. I was just hovering over the pre-order button just earlier today. <laughs> um, although I've got the original Surface Pro, and I don't kind of need it. I kind of want it at the same time because it's actually going to be faster, and it's got louder speakers, and it's newer, and it's got USB-C, etc. At the same time, I think I'm, I would get annoyed having to use a dongle to plug in standard USB. I mean, I know... Apple fans have had to live with that for the last couple of years and it seems a shame to bring that into the Windows world. Um, I did notice that the SSD thing, um, this, the, the, the lowest storage model is, is EMMC and slow storage, but the upper two storage models are actually full SSDs. So That's true, yeah. that, that is worth noting. Also, there's a, there's a question mark over that these may even have um, a free functioning office mobile built in, in the sense that uh, there's, there's a thing like, I think it's 10.1 inches and above, um, Office isn't free. Below 10.1 inches, it is free in terms of the full editing and document creation. And, and this is right, obviously, on the limit. So it remains to be seen, I guess, when the, these first devices appear in production and in people's hands, then we'll know whether you get the full Office suite included, which will be a bit of a bargain if it is, um, for, within a, each unit. I mean, that, that will be an incredible bargain, especially for that, education. That's absolutely true. I suspect what we're going to do is get core editing. And if you want some of the full Office functionality, you may need to pay to upgrade as sometimes happens on on other devices but it'll be interesting yeah. to watch that because you're right you know um you know even if you're on an office 365 uh, subscription that's going to be significant value yeah i was even a joke half joking in the story take when the lte version comes along so that in theory with a bluetooth headset you might be able to make phone calls and i don't, don't make very many and don't receive very many but it's nice to have the facility you could almost set this device up as your only computing device if you've got a big enough pocket or a, you're carrying the appropriate man bag. Um, and this one one computer stroke one device could be your all-in-one communicator for everything. I think that's probably stretching it a bit too much, but it just shows how much the hardware across the world and the range of form factors and functionality does allow for that kind of convergence all over again. Yeah, and it, it is a constantly revisiting what is the kind of optimum mobile device and i'm not suggesting this is it but for a time where we thought everything was kind of going down to the single thing and we've complained it before about these kind of slabs of glass that is typical of the smartphone and the screen size is increasing just not a lot of variation if you want to do work on the go and kind of portability it does feel like there's a few more options and whether that's you know things like continuum or the equivalent from samsung or the apple ipad or now the surface go or the transformer the hybrid devices um it, it's just nice to see there's a bit of variety there because you know one size do, does not fit all yeah. so i you know i quite fun i mean I, I want to see one of these in person um but yeah like you are I, i'm sort of tempted but because i've got the devices already that fulfill this use case for me i i don't really need one but that doesn't mean there's not space for it in the market yeah, and of course the Gemini PDA, which we talked about before, and which uh, we do, well, you own, and I've been lending around the various team members, but that's certainly a very impressive form factor if they can sort of uh, polish off the rough edges. I think there's there's scope there for that kind of 
folding form factor, clamshell form factor to do more. And of course, we hope that Andromeda or Surface Mobile will also come along. So it's incredible now, Rafe, that we're in our lives, even the average tech fan might have four or five devices um, just sitting on their desk or in their pockets or in their briefcase in which they can do all the basics of email and social and web and gaming and media consumption. And they, all the devices can do everything. It's just a question of which fits their particular lifestyle. Yeah, and it's quite practical to have multiple devices on the go. I, I remember you know, going back to the edge of the sun, but even early smartphones, kind of getting everything synced up and having the same apps and the same data <laughs> on all your devices. Honestly, it was a, a work in itself. And of course, now with the things like, you know, be it Gmail or an exchange uh, email service, uh, you know, that's kind of trivial to have all your PIM data on multiple devices. Generally, you just have to set up an account and away you go. Yeah. You know, apps are very readily available and quite often will sync across uh, accounts, although so much of it's sitting in the cloud that it's kind of you know, less relevant uh, and you don't have so much local storage. Of course, stuff like Netflix and Spotify makes that whole process a lot easier as well. Yeah. Um, so we're not just, you know, it's not just because you're keen on having multiple devices. It's actually a practical proposition to use a smartphone, then have a tablet and a laptop and kind of be working on a document on one of them, you know, move to another one to sort of do a bit more editing and then do a final review on it, you know, on a phone or, or something yeah. like that, or even the presentation. I do that regularly without really thinking about it now. And, you know, that is a, a definite change in behavior. So it used to be, I think, very fair to say you had a single mobile device and you kind of really, really used that. You know, that was kind of mobile and then laptops came along and I think, you know, people, a lot of people are switching out to being laptop um, and smartphone only. But increasingly, you do see patterns of multiple device usage. And it's not quite as far as, you know, people carrying a, a dumb phone around for weekends, but not unusual to see people with multiple smartphones, uh, a tablet, a laptop, and sometimes a desktop PC sitting at home as well. And of course, that's also extending into things like, you know, smart speakers or and that can be with or without a screen. Uh, uh, you know, and more in the smart home and everything else, all of which, you know, will often have at least some common threads between them. Yeah, absolutely. So in short, the, uh, the, the tech world and the smartphone world is getting more interesting not less interesting, which is actually very pleasant to hear because, as you say, a year or so ago, we were all rather worried that it was getting a bit boring. And I, I think certainly in 2018 is the year when, when things have started to get more interesting again. Um, and, and talking, finally, of Andromeda or Surface Mobile, um, there is now talk that it's been delayed. Um, I think that this is the interesting point, Rave. It's not the hardware. I do believe the hardware is fully ready for launch this autumn. Um, we've seen all the patents over the last 12 months or so, and certainly the Surface team has been going great guns, as we saw with the Surface Go. Um, all the, the sources I have say that it's the software, this this reworking of Windows Core OS and Windows 10, the reworking of it for two screens and intelligently adapting the interface to come together when the screens um, are folded together so that you get one big screen. That, that means a lot of rework in terms of user interface. Um, and of course, that work's also got to be valid for all the many other manufacturers, the licensees, who are going to produce clones of whatever this device happens to be. They've also got to have reliable working uh, interface so and software. So uh, all my sources say that, that if there is a delay, it's to, to do with the Windows itself, not with the hardware, which I, I thought was interesting. Yeah, it, it's interesting because this is complete speculation uh, in one <laughs> sense, although the people talking about this, I think, have access to pretty good sources within yeah. Microsoft. So I, you know, I think what you're talking about there is pretty accurate. Um, we've also talked before about whether there's a place for a device like this. Um, and I think it's entirely possible to you, know, you talk about it being 
not dead but uh, delayed. I think you can also take a more pessimistic view of this. And Microsoft has decided, you know, despite spending a lot of money and investing a lot of money, that it doesn't want to go forward. There's just enough kind of hesitation in some of the, the rumors and the things that are coming out from the Microsoft sources to suggest that it's not um, completely dead. And I mean, people will speculate about this either way, because frankly, some people go, well, it suddenly got made a lot of noise because someone internally wanted to avoid it being cancelled. I mean, equally, you can argue it the other way around, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it looks like, I mean, the, the renders we've seen, which apparently are pretty accurate, which does suggest, as you say, this foldable device, that's pretty intriguing for me because um, I will say that kind of having a bigger device to work off, particularly when you're trying to do a bit of editing of a document or reply to an email, is a positive thing to have. Um, even with the you know phone screens getting bigger, you're spending so much time, frankly, um, on devices now that having a bigger screen allows you to do a little bit more. And honestly, the only way you're going to achieve this without it getting out of pocket size is to make it foldable yeah. or to make the screen unroll in some ways. So I think this is a concept whose time maybe just hasn't quite arrived yet. And I think also, you know, when we talk about bendy and I mean rollable screens, that's going to be interesting to see that happen. I, I do think this will be kind of the next big thing in major kind of mobile hardware in terms of the kind of change in the form factor, the things that will make people sit up and pay a bit of attention in the same way that, you know, kind of the, the move towards bigger screens and kind of edge to edge, you know, bezel-less screens has been important. This is obviously in a, a different league, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm frustrated to hear about... Um, Andromeda and the kind of the delays and all the effort that's being put into kind of the chorus to make this happen. And I agree with you. It does seem like it's the software problem. One of the things that came out about this was the software ecosystem surrounding it. it doesn't that sound like such a familiar story for anyone who's been in the Windows Phone and Windows 10 mobile ecosystem for a while? It's a problem that Microsoft never really satisfactorily solved, particularly in the mind of a lot of the commentators. Some users, I think, probably uh, were quite happy, and uh, Steve and I were happy uh, Windows users on, on mobile for many years. Um, but I can see why it would be a concern, because it is the thing that essentially, well, maybe not the only thing, but a core thing that killed off kind of Microsoft's previous term in mobile. And frankly, it was the thing that was pretty damaging, you know, with their attempt before that as well. And there is this big question mark around Windows in general, um, and relative to the number of apps and things being released for Android and iOS. And, it, you know, it is a volume thing. And the trouble is, you know, with the best one in the world, Andromeda, you know, is certainly to begin with would be a niche device and you are not going to see developers rushing to support it. So it becomes very dependent on Microsoft. And I think obviously Office and Outlook and all those apps could be expected to be not just fully supported, but probably get some special things from Andromeda. Yeah. But yeah. beyond that, it will be hard to see the investment happening um, that is not a problem that's going to go away by the way but i wonder whether microsoft just in the same way they've kind of made a big effort around uwp to make it easy to get application on there is there something similar they could pull off for andromeda to so you know anything that's a uwp app gets kind of optimized for andromeda in some way yeah d don't know but i i can kind of understand the business reasoning behind this um i mean what, what's your view are you sticking to the kind of postponed rather than cancelled altogether line of thinking uh, absolutely. I still think that Microsoft will be absolutely crazy not to finally deliver this. The Surface line is crying out for something slightly smaller than the Surface Go. 
I understand they're going on some kind of schedule and it feels in terms of momentum that they, they should either release something sort of late autumn or maybe first thing next year. And may, I suspect that's probably what's going to happen. On the subject of UWP apps, I mean, in theory, UWP apps will discover the screen resolution and aspect ratio they're running on and they will automatically adapt as they already have been. I suspect that when they talk about ecosystem, they're talking about things like WhatsApp, for example, for which there yeah. isn't a UWP app. So, uh, okay, the reason we have WhatsApp on our Lumia 950s now is because it's the old Windows Phone 8.1 app. Um, and so that clearly will not exist. And to have a a a pocket smartphone stroke communicator, which you know has a phone form factor in the hand, and then say, well, hang on a minute, I can't run WhatsApp on it. That would be absolutely criminal. Chrome, for example, there won't be a Chrome browser. So many people are now, especially in the, this business world, we're reliant on Chrome and their complete Google ecosystem of bookmarks and integration with this, that, and the other. And if there's no Chrome version, then they're in trouble. Yes, they can have some kind of Win32 emulation, but Chrome under Win32 emulation on an ARM processor, on a Surface Mobile or whatever, that's going to be dog slow. So there, there, there are clear questions and uh, yeah, certain applications, certain developers, and that all needs to be lined up and, and signed up before they can really say, OK, we now have a viable product. We can recommend this to you all. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, the thing I would also say here is it's quite easy to be sceptical about the launch of new platforms. Um, but the thing I kind of try and remember is actually the kind of thought that the current platforms we have sticking around unaltered would be the unusual thing because obviously in the in the mobile world we've seen windows mobile symbian palm you know blackberry arguably uh, kind of windows phone and windows 10 mobile kind of come and go android and ios have changed out of all recognition you know windows as the dominant kind of uh, platform or operating system has kind of gone away um all of those things say to me, actually, launching new platforms and new things is possible. I think uh, Andromeda in its current form is probably a bit niche. And so you do need to think about those restrictions. But equally well, you know, I, I, I look further forward ahead and sort of go, a lot of the applications we use right now, I think, will be subsumed into assistance and kind of automation and will get delegated away. You know, a good example of this may be something like the Uber app, for example, does that kind of get absorbed into the mapping applications or, you know, your assistant, you just ask it to get you a cab? Do you, how much do you care about seeing that inside its own app? And all, all the reason I mention this is because I don't want people to think that um, I don't think it's capable for a new product line or an even kind of a new bit of software to be launched. I think the trouble is here, it's probably a bit too attached to Windows in some ways. And Microsoft has been a bit burnt in trying to develop or establish a mobile ecosystem in the last uh, well you could say 20 years frankly um, but i probably would come down and agree with you ultimately i still think microsoft will try and do this because i think it makes sense for their surface strategy uh, i think yeah. actually throwing away the investment they wouldn't really care so much about that but they will want to try and understand you know where devices are going and i think this allows them to do that I think they may be quite cautious about it. You know, they took a, a big bet on Surface RT, for example, and had a massive write-down on that. So I wonder whether they might try and be a bit more careful about that. Um, but it, it is worth saying there have been Microsoft devices over the years that kind of didn't really stand the test of time, some of which launched. I mean, the Microsoft Kin devices spring to mind, some of which never made it out of the kind of R&D or kind of the lab stage in the courier device, which was actually in, in some ways very similar to what we think Surface Mobile is like. Um, but yeah, uh, let's be optimistic and take the view that uh, Microsoft has re-engineered Windows to make it possible to do this, uh, not painlessly, but 
um, relatively easy. We've kind of seen the advantage that that's kind of given the longer shelf life maybe on Windows 10 Mobile. The technology in terms of screen and foldable devices feels like the moment has arrived or we're very close to it. Yeah. And that sense that, you know, smartphone screens have grown and grown, but we've now hit the limits of that. But there are people who I think would very much like a bigger screen to work with, whether that's for content consumption around video or reading things or doing, you know, productive things on the go. But what I will say, this is not something I expect to be mass market in the way that a smartphone is. But yeah, I mean, yeah. despite my skepticism about it, I think there probably is space um, for kind of exploring, if not reinventing that space between smartphones and tablets. Yeah, or just get a Surface Go and bigger pockets. You get a new, get a new <laughs> <Rather>. wardrobe. <laughs> well, but you could go for the cargo pants option, that's true. Indeed. Now, I don't know whether you saw this, Rafe, last night. There was a documentary on BBC4 called The Rise and Fall of Nokia. Uh, if you, you, You're allowed to say, no, I haven't seen it, Steve. I, I haven't seen it, Steve, but I'm hoping you're going to give me the edited highlights. Well, I was I posted about this. Cause I genuinely thought it might be interesting. You know, the the, the rise and fall of Nokia um, as charted through all about Symbian, all about Windows Phone, I thought would have made a jolly good TV documentary. But if I, I can put it into context, Rafe, by saying that in the one hour programme and the following words did not appear even once. Symbian, Windows, Android. Ouch. Elop. I mean, the list just goes on. All just about every technical aspect, all the all the aspects that I I would be fascinated by, but by the 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 rising and the falling of the different ecosystems of applications, of operating systems, of of teams competing with each other. I mean, it was all glossed over in a in a series sort of human little human interest stories and people's reactions. And obviously, the key message they wanted to get across was that Nokia basically got too big, too complex, too. Too, too many fiefdoms within the company and that's all perfectly true but i would have thought with an hour to play with they could at least have mentioned the word symbian or windows uh, or or mr elop the infamous elop just once now that that does surprise me i mean i think it's probably fair to say and i don't wish to upset anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> that we may take a more tech-centric view of the world but i would expect given that technology and those platforms and everything and the arguments around that was so central to you know the big part of the the nokia story i mean to be fair a lot of the the nokia miracle was built off feature phones and series 40 that's where it really established its dominance and yeah. symbian certainly benefited from that but i don't really think you can tell the full of the company without talking about symbian without talking about windows and actually migo and mel tell me that i mean there are plenty of uh, you know bits of documentary evidence around this we refer to a book that was translated from Finnish relatively recently that tells a lot of the story. Um, and that's a chance for other people to put their thing across. But of course, I would remind, remind people that this is kind of a BBC documentary. They're trying to tell kind of in a, a manageable way to a bigger audience. And actually there, it is, you know, the lessons aren't specific to the technology that was being used or indeed the industry itself, you know, mobile phones. Probably the story and the things that wanted to be taken away from this documentary was around some of the hubris that I think a lot of the Nokia leadership had and this idea that, you know, um, which is common in lots of big companies, that, you know, you become established and it's going to be hard to uh, disrupt you. And if, if anything, you know, we've learned in the last 20 years, kind of the rise of uh, web and technology companies, it's absolutely possible to be disrupted very quickly indeed. And yeah. Nokia is just one of many examples. I mean, you, I'm sure you could write this uh, same documentary about someone like Kodak, for example, um, and there, you know, again, that's a, another story that's well worth reading. Um, 
I, I think it's notable, particularly the Nokia, just because it really was globally dominant in mobile phones. And actually, it's difficult to kind of get your head around just how dominant it was. Uh, you know, so, you know, nearly half the market and everyone using Nokia devices, it was kind of almost universally recognized as having the, the best phones. And for something that's now become probably the single most ubiquitous digital device that people own, you know, and it has changed our world immeasurably to see one company go from all dominant to the, you know, what we have today, where it's sort of split between Apple and Samsung at the top and a whole bunch of uh, Chinese manufacturers, whether that's Oppo, Lenovo, uh, Huawei, Xiaomi, and all the others, and then hundreds and hundreds, um, probably thousands of manufacturers, um, much of them, to be fair, coming out of uh, the factories in Shenzhen and other parts of China. But to, to me, it's such an integral part of um, how you know we understand digital and understand technology now. That's what probably makes this most interesting. And yeah, uh, I guess I, maybe, maybe they should do a second version that they should not, <laughs> particularly for Steve Litchfield, where they talk about all the nitty gritty of the story. Or you can go away and read you know, some of the books that have been written about this or Andrew Olowski's had some good articles on the register. We've covered it ourselves on um, the All About sites because um, it, it is a fascinating story. And I think no one really has the, the, the big picture and everyone has their viewpoint on it because, of course, you can't know what would have happened if something else had been done or another route had been taken. Everyone will claim to have that that perfect knowledge. But the reality is it's a very complex story with very many uh, parts to it. And in hindsight, it was probably entirely predictable. Um, actually, the unusual thing would have been for the, the company to maintain its dominance through such a major shift in the industry. And I, yeah. I'm talking about from mobile phones to smartphones it's not just you know and I, I would argue smartphones themselves went through a pretty enormous shift from kind of extensions of feature phones which were the symbian devices and non-touch screens to then touch screens and i wonder whether something uh, you know similar is going to happen again when we start talking about whether that's augmented reality you know kind of immersion type devices with magic leaps bringing to mind or any other vr you might care to mention the smart speakers with assistance coming in that, that kind of idea of an ambient assistant all around you what does that do to the smartphones so as i've said many times before the unusual thing was it will stay the same and i do feel like we might be not that far off the the next major shift um, and just as the last one did for uh, nokia i wonder what uh, will, will happen to the current incumbents yeah well I, I wouldn't recommend you necessarily waste an hour of your time on B bbc iplayer rafe just as an example i mean you mentioned that the, sh the shifts in the industry there was a, a the, talking to a Nokia executive who was saying, okay, on the 10th of January 2007, we were number one in the world. And on the, 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 one day later, we were number two, and which is, of course, referring to the announcement of the iPhone. But that is complete rewriting history <laughs> because it took four years for Nokia not to be number one. And even then, it was Android that became the dominant operating system, not, 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 not the iOS and the iPhone. And today, Android has 88% world market share something absolutely crazy crazily dominant and yet android and google weren't mentioned a single time in the entire documentary so wow. there's a there's a lot of revisionists there it was clearly focused on the, the nokia corporate um philosophy and character and and to see it in that light and it's i guess you could watch it and kind of enjoy it and enjoy seeing some of those nokia names you've you've heard about in the past seeing them interviewed on screen but just don't take it as a definitive history of you know the fifth last 15 years of smartphones because it's far off that 
Anyway, <laughs> I'm ranting. Well, I think we're out of time, Rafe. Uh, just a couple of mentions there. There is a brand new version of Podcast Lounge, one of your favourite apps Ooh. of all time. Podcast Lounge 2 for a full Windows 10 UWP app for your tablet, your Surface Pro, your Windows 10 mobile smartphone. Worth grabbing. And of course, uh, we, we love the developer. We love what he does. And it's a really fantastically detailed application. So do go and grab that. Also, the brand new version of Instagram for Windows 10, Windows 10 mobile. Also worth grabbing. I've put stories up on all of this in the site. There's been quite a lot happening really the last few weeks, Rafe, while we've been uh, you know, on holiday and in hospital and so <laughs> forth. But so do get do check the site out and there's more coming in the weeks to come, I'm sure. Well, I'll be sure to check out some of these applications. Maybe we can talk uh, in a bit more detail about what we like most about them next yeah. time. I also want to give a bit of a shout out to Steve's been doing some more camera heads to heads. I suspect we'll also postpone these to talk about more a little bit in the future. But actually an interesting one is the BlackBerry Key 2. Uh, yes, there are still devices coming out. That's, again, kind of a TCL, so Alcatel holding company one. But, uh, yeah, if you want to check out that versus the 950XL, you can do. And there's also one against the Asus Zenfone 5. Um, won't spoil them. Uh, if you want to go and uh, see which one on the uh, shootout uh, head to site, probably not going to be any big surprise. And maybe we, were, we can talk about them a bit more yeah. next time. Um, talking about next time, we will try and squeeze it in without having a month or a five-week <laughs> gap next time. I'm sure there'll be a lot more content to talk about. We can probably uh, be able to talk a bit more about some of the first reviews of uh, the Surface Go, and who knows, there might be some more information about Surface Mobile as well. Okay, and in the meantime, I will say goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. As uh, Rafe does the final sign-off, thank you very much for all your feedback on the site. I will indeed, and I'll say thank you to Steve for producing all the wonderful content. It's great to see people being appreciative in the comments about that, so thank you. Please keep doing that, and uh, please tune into the podcast next time. <laughs>